Good morning. Uh, the good news is, because I'm preaching, there is a slight chance that you might actually get to Olive Garden before the Presbyterians. Uh, you will not beat the Seventh-day Adventists. I want to tell you a story. A cargo ship sank one night, and caught fire and went down. And only this one sailor survived. He found a lifeboat, rigged a sail, and being of a nautical discipline, turned his eyes to the heavens and read the stars. He set a course for his home and exhausted fell asleep. Clouds rolled in, and for the next 20 nights, he could no longer see the stars. He thought he was on course, but there was no way to be certain. And as the days rolled on and the sailor wasted away, he began to have doubts. Had he set his course right? Was he still going on towards his home? Or was he horribly lost and doomed to a terrible death? No way to know. The message of the constellations, had he imagined it because of his desperate circumstance, or had he seen truth once and now had to hold on to it without further reassurance? There are those of you in church today who know exactly the crisis of faith I describe. And I want to say to you, doubt can be a bond as powerful and sustaining as certainty. When you are lost, you are not alone. That is how John Patrick Shanley began his Tony and Pulitzer Prize winning play entitled Doubt a Parable. And I think one of the reasons the show was so successful, and it was successful enough that the movie starred Meryl Streep. It was Meryl Streep, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Viola Davis, and Amy Adams. That is a good cast. Um, but I really love this movie. One of the reasons that it was so successful is because it resonates with so many people. We've all had doubts at one point or another, and it's never a comfortable experience. But don't just take it from me. Take it from most mainline Christian denominations. Does anybody here know what the Revised Common Lectionary is? Does anybody know what the lectionary is? Okay, so for those that don't know, the lectionary is a book that outlines what's called the liturgical year by providing the scripture reference for any given week or any given holy day, like uh, Ash Wednesday or Good Friday. And in doing so, it walks the congregation through the story of Christ. The lectionary is set up in three-year cycles to stop it from being repetitive. You have an A year, a B year, and a C year, and then you go back to A. With one major exception, and that's today, this week, first Sunday after Easter, regardless of whether it's an A year, a B year, or a C year, if you walk into just about any Lutheran, Catholic, Presbyterian, United Methodist, Free Methodist, Episcopal or Anglican, Church of the Nazarene, United Church of Christ, and even a handful of Baptist denominations, you will hear a sermon on the Apostle Thomas also known as Doubting Thomas. And I think it's because one of the unspoken facts of church life is that all of us will have doubts at some point, but we don't really talk about it. 
We sit in our chairs in our pews all over the world and we see life as through a window. On one side, untroubled, happy people. On the other side, me or you. We view doubt as a moral failing, as a sign that we don't trust God enough, and so we hide it. And I'm here this morning to push back against that. Let's take a look at the text. Um, if you have your Bible, please open it to John chapter 20, verse 19. If you don't have a physical copy of the Bible, please come see me after the service. I would be happy to give you one. If English isn't your first language and you don't have a Bible in your first language, please come see me. I would love to help you get one as a gift to you. I probably don't have it with me today, but I would love to help you get one. Okay. Chapter 20, verse 19. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven of them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Now, there's a couple things I want to note here. The first is that John doesn't criticize Thomas for being absent. And John is not shy about criticizing the other disciples. When Jesus is praying in Gethsemane, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all say that one of the disciples or one of the twelve took out his sword and cut off a soldier's ear. Meanwhile, John is over here like, oh, guys, 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 it was Peter. Peter did it. I need you all to know that Peter cut off this man's ear. It was Peter. You might know him as Simon, but either way, he cut off the ear. When Mary Magdalene washes Jesus' feet and Judas complains that they should have sold the perfume and given the money to the poor, John writes, he said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. None of the other Gospels say that. So John is not shy. And the fact that he doesn't criticize Thomas for his absence does say something. But there's something else, something I left out earlier. Let's take a look at that passage again. When it was evening on, the, on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in, in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Did you guys catch that? One more time. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. See, when we hear this story, we often hear it as though Thomas was being unreasonable, that he was demanding something unique. But that's not the case here. Thomas just wants the same thing that the other disciples got. What Thomas is saying here is, it's great that you had this amazing experience with Christ. I haven't had that. I'm still waiting. And there might be some of you in church today, some of us in church today, who know exactly the feeling that I'm talking about. You know, last week for Easter, if you weren't here, we invited people to come up and share the ways that the kingdom was at work around them. And it was amazing to hear. But I think that a lot of times we hear these testimonies and think, oh, it's great that, that happened to you. Why am I still waiting? I'm so happy that your chronic pain is healing, but why isn't mine? I'm so happy that your family member is turning towards God. Why am I still struggling with my belief? We see people stand up and declare all the ways that God is working in their lives, and we sit there and we think, that is so wonderful for you. Why do I still have such doubt? And we begin to see faith and doubt as mutually exclusive. And I think that part of the issue here is that both of those have become sort of buzzwords. We see them sort of on this spectrum where on one side you have doubt and on one side you have faith and there is a line in the sand between the believers and the unbelievers. No in, no in between there. You're either part of the faithful or you're riddled with doubts. And I'm here today to give lie to that idea. Because what is faith? There's no perfect synonym for it. But a big aspect of faith is trust. And answer this for me. Can you put your trust in something that you know for a fact is true? Is that trust? If there is no doubt anywhere in your mind, is that trust or is that knowledge? I trust Chuck Bell on Channel 4 when he tells me that it's going to rain. <laughs> I may have my doubts based on the lack of clouds in the sky, but I choose to trust him anyway. I still forget to bring my umbrella until my wife reminds me. I don't trust that the sky will still be there when I wake up. I know that the sky is going to be there when I wake up. Trust and faith flourish when we cling to them, not without doubt, but in spite of doubt. And more importantly, Jesus doesn't show up and tell Thomas to get out. The disciples don't reject Thomas either. Jesus doesn't show up and say, my guy, you traveled with me. You watched me raise a man from the dead, and you know these people. You're seriously going to doubt me? Okay, you know what? Thanks for your service. Just, I'll find someone new. That's not what he says. Let's take a look at what ha does happen. We're going to start in verse 24. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. 
A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Jesus shows up to Thomas and essentially says, I understand you have some doubts. Ask away. Thomas says, I need my own experience with God. And God replies, here you go. Questions are not wrong. God doesn't want us to hold our questions in to let them rot and fester and spread. God wants us to take our questions and ask them, but ask them at the foot of the cross. So how do we do that? Well, let's look back to Thomas. Where was he when Jesus appeared to him? He was with the disciples. He didn't say, you know, I don't believe you, but if he is risen, you know where to find me. No, he is there and the disciples didn't say, well, Thomas, you don't believe, so you can't sit with us. Thomas joins together with the disciples of Christ seeking after the truth. And the disciples join with Thomas as he journeys through his faith and his doubt. And that's what I want for us. I want us to be open with one another, to let that be our bond that we are sometimes riddled with doubt, and yet we choose to trust and place our faith in God. I want us to admit when we have questions, to stand up and say, um, excuse me, I'm not quite feeling it. Excuse me, I don't understand this. I'm not quite sure what to believe. And for those of us for whom doubt is not our struggle, I want us to walk alongside our brothers and sisters as they journey through that doubt. I want us to hear their questions and acknowledge them and to treat them with the same level of grace that Jesus showed to Thomas. We are called to walk alongside one another, to love one another, to support one another. The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Romans to welcome those who are weak in faith without despising and without passing judgment. We are all equally part of the kingdom of God. We are all equally part of the body of Christ. We are our brother's keeper. We are our sister's keeper. So let us be open about our struggles. Let us be kind and loving and full of grace so that others feel welcome to share their questions, to share their doubts, to share their struggles, and by doing so, help them carry that burden until we are ready to lay it down at the foot of the cross. Let us pray. God, we love you. Please help us to remember that you are with us even when we can't feel you. Help us to admit our own shortcomings so that we may help our neighbors with theirs. 
and help us to walk with one another without judgment or disdain. We love you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory. Amen.